turn to Genesis chapter 3. And if you'd like to also go ahead and go to Romans chapter 8, you can do that. We'll begin in Genesis chapter 3, and then go to Romans chapter 8, and uh, a few other places in the Bible today. I mentioned earlier, and we sang earlier, a truth about Jesus, and it is this. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And that means that wherever the curse of Genesis chapter 3, wherever it has extended, whatever things it has touched whatever life it has choked out, Jesus comes to reverse that curse. I don't know how familiar you may be with um, kudzu, but it has a way of running, and it has a way of choking other things out. I don't know if you've ever seen what it looks like when when a field or or even a piece of a forest gets taken over by kudzu. Eventually, kudzu is all that's left. A couple of years ago, my uncle noticed that in the pasture and the creek area that kind of joins my grandmother's house or joins her property... That that field, that pasture that was no longer being taken care of by any cows, it had begun to to be taken over by kudzu. And as long as the kudzu is a little piece away, it's not so much of a problem. But when it starts getting closer to the things that are on your property, it might run up in a tree. And then it ends up choking everything out below. It provides too much shade and everything else ends up dying. And so we determined that although we had seen this uh, process taking place over the course of a number of years, now things were getting a little too close to home. And some, some trees that were on my grandmother's property were beginning to be infected with this curse, with this disease. And so we determined that once it got cold enough for everything else to die and all the poison to, to go dormant and things like that, we were going to try to do what we could to slow the spread. And so one day uh, in, in the winter, uh, the men of the family got together with machetes and bush axes and chainsaws and all manner of whatever we could put our hands on. We began to, to cut and to pull and to burn and to do everything that we could to slow the curse, to do everything that we could to reverse the curse of the kudzu. It's interesting, though, about kudzu, the way that it lives and the way that it thrives is that it'll grow and it'll run and then it'll root. And then it'll run and then it'll root again. And then it'll run some more and then it'll root again. And so you can cut it right here, but ten feet away, it's still living. And you've done nothing to slow the spread. And so you have to pull it up out of the ground and and chase these vines across the ground. And some of them are hidden by by leaves and by old trees that have fallen. And, And it seems like no matter how much work you do, you can never get it all. And so you wait for the summer to come. And then when the summer comes, 
Everything begins to bloom and everything that's, that was dormant begins to come back to life. And you see how much you got, but you also see how much you missed. And no matter how much labor and how many burn piles you lit, it seems like you can't get rid of it all. Well, this is an apt picture. This is a clear picture of our problem that is, that is conveyed to us, that is communicated to us from Genesis chapter 3. The Bible speaks a word and it says, that, it says that the curse of sin has so infected every part of our lives that it's going to take something drastic. It's going to take something momentous, something never before seen in order to reverse the curse. We read in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, after sin enters the world, it doesn't stop with Adam and Eve. It keeps getting passed on. It's like the vine has taken a root and then it's run. And then it takes another root and it continues to run. It says this in Genesis 3.14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity, which just means Strife or, or conflict. I will put enmity between you and the woman. So there's this idea of, of creation against even God's prized uh, crown of creation, humanity. He says, I will put conflict, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Very interesting statement. We'll come back to that. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Even the ground is cursed because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. In other words, you can eat, but it will no longer be easy until you return to the ground. In other words, until you die, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We see a picture here of how the, the infection or the disease or the curse or the kudzu of, of sin has, has left no part of our lives untouched. Every part of our being and even the creation itself, even the creation that we live in, labors under the, the fallout of that first sin in Genesis Three, there's enmity between man and the creation. Life becomes hard. Childbearing is painful. And then working the, the ground, there is much toil because thorns and thistles infest the ground. And of course, we know from the same song, from the same song, Enjoy to the World, it says this. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. In other words, there is a promise given to us in the scriptures. And the promise is this, is that whenever you see the curse showing up in your life, 
Whenever that first sin of Genesis 3 and the kudzu of sin seems to take hold in different parts of your life, whether it's your relationships with people, relationships break down. There's strife between people. Different things like this occur. Families break down and, and friendships go away and life at the workplace becomes difficult wherever there's There's just the pain of of Genesis 3 coming into your experience, things that you didn't even choose, things that you didn't ask for, but you have a body that is breaking down and is failing you, and it's part of this curse that has infected all of the world. The promise is already here in Genesis chapter 3 that Jesus will reverse the curse. We know that things don't get better after Genesis chapter 3. The very next chapter is Genesis chapter 4. And what happens? In the very chapter, after sin enters the world, the first murder takes place. Things are not going well. Things are not getting better. And of course, before you even get to Genesis chapter 10, God has already done a reset of sorts by flooding the entire earth. But Romans, Romans chapter 8, builds on this a little bit. We see perhaps a... A clearer picture of, of what happens in Romans 8, 18. We learn about just how fully sin has infected our lives and infected the creation. It says this, Romans 8, 18 and following. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, what's coming will be so much better, will be so good and so perfect that it won't even compare to the trials and the hardships that we have to go through right now. Verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You see, the, the creation is speaking of is waiting to be saved too. And it goes a step further in verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know, listen to this, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with the pains of childbirth until now. The creation is pictured as, as groaning, as wanting to be made new, wanting to be reset again. And it even uses the, the term childbirth to remind us of Genesis chapter 3, of how the curse has infected everything. And not only the creation, verse 23, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we await, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The theme is repeated here. In Romans chapter 8, the creation groans, but not only the creation, we ourselves who are part of this creation. God's crown jewel, we've been made in the image of God. Not only does the world need to be reset and recreated from all of its brokenness, but we too have our deepest problem is, is described by the Bible as the sin that has so infected every part of our lives. Our bodies don't work the way that they should, not necessarily because of a sin that we've done, but because we were born into a world that is broken, a world that is infected by a Genesis 3 kind of sin. Our bodies don't work the way that they're supposed to. Our minds don't work the way that that they're supposed to. 
We're tempted in our minds to to reason wrongly, to reach the wrong conclusions, or to assume things that aren't true, or to project motives onto people, or to make decisions that just don't turn out the way that we thought they would, or the way that they should. We even struggle with anxiety and depression. We are living under a Genesis 3 reality. Some of which comes because of the sins we do and some of which comes just because we live in this kind of world. But the good news is this. The good news is this. If you still have a a finger in Genesis chapter 3, Jesus was sent to reverse the curse. Jesus was sent to reverse the curse. I don't want you to miss this. In Genesis 3.15, there is what is called the first gospel. The theologians use a big word for this, but the big word they use means first gospel. See what's happening? In the very chapter of the Bible where sin comes into the world, God is already speaking of a plan to roll it back and to make it right. And to fix the problem. It says this in Genesis 3.15. He says to the, to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. The, so the seed of the serpent, which is the evil one, and the seed of the woman, which is us. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. He says to the serpent, I'm going to send someone. I'm, the, the seed of the woman. Someone is going to step into history. And yes, Satan, yes, sin, you are going to bruise his heel. But an injury to the heel is not fatal. But he says, he will bruise your head. An injury to the head is fatal. Jesus took The injury to the heel, he was crushed, but of course he defeated it three days later. He showed that his injury was not fatal. But what did he do by by living the perfect life that we couldn't live and then dying the death on the cross? He showed that he crushed the head of the serpent. That he crushed the head of sin for us. So while he was bruised, he was not utterly destroyed, but he utterly destroyed sin says this, and in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love many of these old Christmas hymns, and the lyrics are many times deeper than we pause to, to realize. It says this, Mild he lays his glory by. He stepped into earth. He stepped into creation. He stepped into our situation. Mild he lays his glory by. For what purpose? Born that man no more may die. He was bruised. He was crushed so that sin would not fully crush us. Jesus was sent to reverse the curse. says this in Isaiah. If you would like to continue in this march through the Bible with us, Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah is is that book that you can kind of basically go in the middle of your Bible and it might open uh, straight to it there. Isaiah chapter 2 speaks of how Jesus was sent to even reverse the curse of of strife, of of this interpersonal conflict, and and of the things that that happen in creation. Of course, Adam and Eve's relationship was made difficult. 
No longer were they able to to be the picture of marriage that they were supposed to be. And even their their kids begin to to wander off into this conflict and this strife. And they they kill one another. It's so deep and it runs so so deeply. It says this in in Isaiah 2, beginning in verse 2. It shall come to pass, it's speaking about a time in the future. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall, uh, uh, shall go the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And then listen to this. Listen to what it says will happen as a result of the work of the Savior. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. In other words, in other words, even though people have conflict, just like Adam and Eve did, just like Adam and Eve did between the conflict with them and the creation, and just like their kids, Cain and Abel, had conflict, Jesus came to reverse the curse of strife. This truth is so profound that the gospel is connected to it. Indeed, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that our ministry as believers is the ministry of reconciliation. As God has reconciled us to himself, we are to be reconciled to one another. One day, because of the gospel, the lion will lay down with the lamb. People will take their weapons and they'll beat them into tools to be used for gardening. There will be peace ushered in. One day even the brokenness that exists in the creation itself will be reversed. And we know that the power that enables this to happen is nothing other than the power of the gospel of Jehovah God. That is the only power that can cause it to happen. The question is, can it happen now? Yes. The, the answer to that question is yes. Through Christ, Jesus now desires by creating believers and by making believers more like his son Jesus, he desires in each of our lives to begin to roll back the curse of sin. To be pulling up the roots of it where it has entangled itself in our hearts and in our minds and in our relationships. Jesus is now willing and desiring to do that work in us. Secondly, Jesus didn't only come to reverse the curse of of strife. He came to reverse the curse of death. If you go to Isaiah 65, same book, just later in the book. Isaiah 65 tells of what will come at the end of the age because of the gospel. It's beautiful, beautiful words. Isaiah 65, beginning in verse 17, it says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people No more shall shall be heard 
in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. In order, in other words, friends, Jesus has so has so powerfully begun his work of reversing the curse that there will come a day when there will be no more need for tears anymore. Friends, I don't know what more comforting word could be spoken during Advent and during Christmas. You know what I've come to learn over the years? Is that while this is supposed to be a time for joy, and it's supposed to be such a time of happiness, that for many people, it's not. For many people, this is one This is one of the most difficult seasons of the year. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today because of something that has happened this year or because of something that has happened in the last couple of years or because of something that happened a long time ago but you just can't forget. It it holds on to you like the, the roots of a kudzu vine and it just won't let go. The reality is this. That Jesus was sent to reverse the curse of death. And even if now, even if now you have to live the years that God has given you on this earth. And they're years that have tears. One day when you are with him, there will be no more weeping. It will be gone. Why? Because of the very words of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. He has made a full end of it. And so even if, even if the curse, the way, even if the way that the curse has come into your life can't be fully fixed here and now until you get into eternity, even if that's the case, Jesus has promised that He will be enough and that He will comfort you until that day comes. So place your trust in Him. No more, it says in verse 20, no more shall it be in it, in in that place, in that time, that an infant lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. In other words, right now, in the Genesis 3 world that we live in, it seems that the good people seem to have all kinds of hardship come into their lives. And it seems that the evil people seem to be doing just fine. But friends, this moment is passing away. Because for those who are in Christ, the curse will be rolled back. And there will be a time when no longer do the the little babies die after only a couple of days. No longer will it seem like the wicked prosper. But Jesus will set everything right again. And it is in that hope that we should place our largest investments. Not in the here and now. Because the here and now, of course, we know in a year like 2020, the, the here and now will disappoint. And it will bring sorrow. And it will bring anxiety. And yes, it may even bring death. But Jesus had conquered even that. It says in verse 23, Isaiah 65, 23. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. For they, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and the dust. 
uh, shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Friends, death is an enemy. I heard news just yesterday of the mother of a childhood friend. The curse came for her yesterday. She's been laboring for about a year under a very aggressive form of cancer. And just yesterday, the Lord called her home. And I sent a message to this friend and just said, I'm so sorry. Death is an enemy. It's an enemy. And we can't escape it here and now. But we can be comforted here and now. And we can know that in eternity, death will not have the final word. So friends, if this year or the last couple of years has been for you a couple of years of pain, know this, this season, this season is meant for you. This season is meant to remind you that Jesus came to step into your situation and to, and to take his own medicine. Jesus stepped into your situation. He took on flesh to become a man in order to experience all the kinds of trials that you and I experience so that he can say to you, I know, I know, I understand. Trust me. I want to read a quote from Dorothy Sayers. She said this about Jesus. For whatever reason God chose to make man as he is, limited in suffering and subject to sorrows and death, he had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. Whatever game he is playing with his creation, he has kept his own rules and he played fair. He can take nothing from man that he has not taken from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and the lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. When he was a man, he played the man. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it well worthwhile. Friends, Jesus can sympathize with you wherever you are today because he too walked the road that you walk. And even if your situation can't be fixed before eternity. God has done through Jesus what is necessary to be near you, to bring you comfort, and to make it right in the end. So how does he do this? In order to reverse the curse, Jesus became a curse. In order to reverse the curse, Jesus became a curse. A curse. If you're in Isaiah 65, I'm just going to ask you to flip back a couple of pages to Isaiah 53. As we read about a, a prophecy of our Savior and, and who He is and what He does for us and what kind of man this is who came to reverse the curse. In Isaiah 53, I'll begin in the first verse. It says this. Who has believed what, what He has heard from us? And to whom has the, alarm, has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. If you 
feel like a person of sorrows this Christmas season, you're in good company. Jesus himself was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, though, surely he has borne our griefs. In other words, he took them on his back. He has borne our griefs and He has carried our sorrows. This very clear imagery. What did Jesus do when He walked up the hill? He, he bore the, the, the curse of the tree on His back and He carried our sorrows up the hill. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that has brought us peace. And by His stripes... We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, Jesus came to reverse the curse. Whether the curse in your life is a sin and temptation and it just brings so much shame and you can't seem to break free of the sin pattern, no matter how much you you pull up the roots and and dirt comes with it and pain happens and, and sweat and at the end of the day it just seems like you've done nothing but just exhaust yourself and the next day there's just as much kudzu in the in the pasture as there was the day before. Jesus came to reverse the curse. He came to to bring freedom from your sin patterns that you can't quite get rid of. He he brings power to to break you free from that bondage, whether it's some other effect of of the fall, whether it's a broken relationship. Jesus comes to, to bring the power through the gospel to try to mend that relationship. Whether it's a body that's breaking down, whether you have some kind of Genesis 3 problem that, that won't be fixed. If it's some kind of disease that is just not going to be reversed, as sad as it is. If it's, if it's like the, the mother of my friend yesterday. The curse didn't get reversed for her in the here and now. But it's reversed for her now. Because she's in the presence of Jesus. The reality is, no matter how the curse has has infected your life and how many roots it has taken up, Jesus brings the power, sometimes here and now and definitely in eternity, to undo what the enemy has done for all those who are trusting in Him. This is why we need the gospel. And, and uh, I, I will just reflect briefly before we finish on uh, Galatians chapter 3. A couple of words that I hope will bring you comfort and encouragement. Galatians 3.13 says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Yes, friends, Jesus came to reverse the curse, but he did it by becoming a curse for us, by taking our place, by stepping in to receive the punishment that we deserved. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, friends, it sounds a lot like this. No more 
let sins, no more will he let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Wherever the curse has come for you, Jesus has come for the curse. And he will, he will reverse it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this unique opportunity to meet and to talk about your gospel in the Old Testament, to talk about how even though the enemy has come for us, even though the the curse of Genesis 3 has affected our bodies and our minds and our relationships, and one day it will lead to death, that you have done such a work that you will not allow death and the curse in Genesis 3 to have the final word. But through the power of the gospel, relationships can be healed now. Sin patterns can be broken now. And these bodies that we labor with now and and the, and the, the ultimate temptations will be fixed in eternity for those who are trusting in Christ. God, it is my prayer. It is my prayer that everyone who sits under the sound of my voice today, will have experienced, will have experienced what it is like for Jesus to begin that work of reversing the curse. And God, I pray that if there is anyone here today for whom the curse is still king and the kudzu still runs and roots and grows and and you haven't stepped into their life to reverse the curse, to begin that work of reversal and of renewal and of life-giving salvation. I pray that today, today would be the day of salvation, that they would no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground, but that they would look to you and see that you came. You came to make your blessings flow wherever the curse is found. Wherever the curse is gone, your, your grace floods that area and covers it. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of renewal, of comfort for those who are sorrowful. And I pray that today would even be the day of salvation for the one who has not yet trusted in you. I pray these things in the name, in the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, Miss Dawn is going to play during a time of reflection and response. I'm going to make myself available down front. If you're comfortable speaking with me and you would like to speak with me, I'm available during this time. I'm also available after the service. So I'll ask you now, would you stand as we sing and as we respond uh, to the Word of God today?